Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had come first to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciple went away to their own homes, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so, as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said again, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here with your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, 
which are not written in this book, but have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. morning. We'll turn again to, be seated please, turn again to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you, page 906. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read words of Jesus from John chapter 10. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now to John chapter 20. Verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Very early uh, on Sunday, she's come uh, to worship her Lord who she assumes is dead. Um, Friday, he hung on the cross. The atoning sacrifice for sin. Not his sin. He had no sin for our sin. He went and he died, bled and died. He said, it is finished. He gave up his spirit. His eternal spirit departed from his human body. His human body died. They were separated, but... On the third day, as he had said to them and promised so many times, yet they did not understand, his eternal spirit reunited with his body. That's resurrection. Reunited, he leaves his grave clothes, he leaves the grave. Jesus, the author of life, the conqueror of death, is about to reveal himself to the first human being ever to see him. Not Peter, not James, not John, not even his own mother, but Mary of Magdala, a woman that he had healed of a serious situation. She thanks him by following him. If you'll read in Luke chapter 8, first paragraph, Mary Magdalene has a list of women who you may not have heard about, but behind the scenes, uh, they took care of Jesus' needs out of their own means. This is the woman who will be the first to see him. It reminds one of what Jesus said, he who is first will be last, and he who is last will be first. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, 
They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. She's convinced that if the people were cruel enough to humiliate him and to kill him, that they would be cruel enough to take his body and possibly further desecrate it. I don't know. She's repeated twice. I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. We don't know why. We're not told. But she does not recognize him. He speaks to her somewhat generically as though he doesn't know her. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Her emotional despondency, uh, she, for her to think that the gardener would have any interest at all in a dead body, uh, that she herself would be able to physically take him away, tells us of her mental and emotional state. He's right there. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things. It's early in the morning. Jesus will not reveal himself to the disciples until that evening. They have all day to think, to ponder what had actually happened. Let's worship the Lord in song. Let's stand again. Let's pray. Be seated. By the way, if I didn't mention it, men, sign up in the back. After church. The next section is John 19, or John 20, 19 through 23. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, for the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. What happens when Christ walks into a closed room? Reading these verses for the last few weeks when I've gotten a look at them, there's a lot of theology here, but I'm not going to talk to you about the theology. Just talk about the situation and what Jesus did when he came in this room. These were his disciples he had spent three years with. Two years he spent 
explaining to them that he was the Messiah, the coming king, the one they had been looking for. He was God and man combined. And once they got that, he started telling them, they got it, they said, okay, you're the king, you're the Messiah, you're the sin. When he says, okay, there's something else you need to know, by the way. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed on the Roman cross. I'm going to take your sins upon me. And then I'm going to raise back in three days. They didn't get it. They absolutely didn't get it. So here they are, sitting in a locked room. He's saying things to them. He said Thursday. This is Sunday night. He said this to them Thursday night. In this long conversation he had with them. He said, this is what's going to happen. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is why. And they're sitting in a room with the doors shut because they were fearful of the Jews. So what happens when Jesus walks into that room? Three things happen. I wish they didn't all start with a P, but they do. It sounds like such a gimmick. The first thing is peace comes in. These guys are fearful. These are not, these are not, these are guys... But they are fearful. They're frightened. They're frightened to the point of being disoriented. And he brings peace into them. And he says to them what he had said to them on three different times just that Thursday night. He said, I'm going to leave you my peace. It's not going to be like the world's peace. It's not going to be like that. This is my peace I'm leaving to you. And then he said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but I'm giving you my peace, the peace you get inside, inside you because I'm inside you, the peace you get from me. He's repeating the same thing he said to them, but there's something different here. He said, peace be with you, and then he showed them both his hands and his sides. Then the disciples rejoiced. If Jesus didn't get out of the grave, there is nothing to rejoice about. You are dead in your sins. You don't have any hope. I don't have any hope. The world is meaningless. We're just a random aggregation of molecules from deep space where some heavy elements from a star exploded and we it all kind of congealed here on earth and somehow we evolved out of that. There is no hope if Jesus Christ isn't alive. But he showed him his hands. He said, you remember me? You know who I am. Look here. I'm the guy that was on the cross. You saw this Friday. It's Sunday. And I'm alive again. That brings peace because if he can do that, he can do anything else. So, they, so he said to them, peace be to you. And he showed them this. There is living, tangible proof. You know, there's one thing that a skeptic cannot apologize away when they say there is no Christ. This was all made up. This is, this is nobody, no legitimate historian says this didn't happen. They just say it didn't have that meaning in view to it. The Christians wrote this in. Nobody can explain why these men changed. Nobody can explain why they died saying this guy rose from the dead. There's only one reason. They saw him risen from the dead. And peace came to them because of it. Second thing he said is, again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. He's reiterating to them their purpose for life. I've given you something to do. They, they locked the room because they were afraid the Jews would get in. I'm, I'm sure the Jews wouldn't have had any trouble knocking that door down. Jesus seemed to walk right through it. But when they locked themselves in the room, they also couldn't get out. They weren't going out and doing what he told them to do. 
They were purposeless. And then finally he says, he breathed on them and says, receive the Spirit. If you forgive the sins of many, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of many, they've been retained. There's a lot of heavy theology in that. I can't explain all that to you. This didn't really happen in time until 40 days later at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit of Christ fell upon the church. I really think, this is me, so you can, this is probably wrong, but I think he blew on them. He went, they understood that when God created the heavens and the earth, it was his words, his breath. The Jews knew what that meant. He's going to, He's doing this so they can remember 40 days later when the Holy Spirit comes on them, it's coming from Jesus blowing it on them. He's making it personal. He's saying, I'm giving you the power to do what I told you to do. I would be wrong to stop and not tell you a little bit of my story. In 1971, believe it or not, the calendar goes back that far. I was a junior in college. I'll tell you who I was. If you're old enough to remember that, you're old enough to remember the Far Side cartoons. You ever remember the cartoon where it looks like they're playing Jeopardy? And there are three contestants, God, Einstein, and the third guy. I was the third guy. God has a million points, Einstein has a thousand, and this guy's clearly just looking going, what, what is going on? You know, I was clueless. My life looked pretty stable on the outside. It was turbulent on the inside because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know where life was. I didn't know what my job was. I didn't know anything about what was important in life. And Christ he walked in my room. He came in. And suddenly when I realized this was true, you know, I kind of held Christ as a guy I'm going to get to know later. But when he came into my room, he basically almost just walked through the door. And I suddenly had peace I did not have before because I gave my life to him. And then when that happened, I had purpose I didn't have before because he said, as, I, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. You may have a secular job. You may do something else. But I'm sending you to bring me into that job. You may have a family. I'm sending you to bring me into that family. So you have a purpose. And then he came and lived inside me to give me the power to do the thing he said. You may be like I was then. You may just have been coming to church on Easter because this is the one time a year you come. That's what I did. But I'm telling you, you can leave here with Christ inside. You can put peace in your life. He can give you purpose and he can give you the power to do what he designed you to do. And by the way, men... Sign up for the Bible study when you leave. So you probably figured out the system. We're in John 20 again. Uh, the Apostle John, he was actually one of these people in, in the uh, group of the 12 that saw the risen Lord himself. But he tells the story of experiencing the risen Lord in three parts. And uh, we know from Paul that over 500 people saw Jesus risen. So it's not like John was telling you every last person. Um, in fact, many of those 500 went to their death saying, I cannot deny what I have seen. I cannot deny that I have seen Jesus Christ risen from the dead. But John tells the story in three parts. He starts with Mary Magdalene, who is passionate, 
who is desperate for the Lord, who is hungry, she sees the Lord, the risen Lord at dawn. Then he goes to the disciples. They're fearful. And they, they desperately need the Lord's peace. They need his purpose. And they need his power. But there's sort of a third story. And that is Doubting Thomas. His name says it. And maybe he gets a bad rap. And so we pick up in verse 24. And this is the story of doubt and the blessing of belief. I think, I, I really think Doubting Thomas gets sort of a bad rap. The guy is honest. He's fully honest. Uh, he wasn't with the twelve. And so they tell him, we've seen the risen Lord. They're ecstatic. Wouldn't you be? And yet this is what he says. I'm in verse 25. Unless I see his hands, in his hands, the marks of the nail and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into the side, I will never believe. And so I, I, wanna, I want you for a moment to say, okay, doubting Thomas wants evidence. He wants to be sure. He wants to experience the risen Lord. So there's this tremendous upside to, the risen, to, to doubting Thomas's story, and yet it comes with a caveat. He puts conditions on belief, right? Unless, unless, I will never believe. And ultimately, he reaps the consequences of having the baggage with the willingness to believe. I think it's so easy to pass over these little phrases like the beginning of verse 26. Eight days later, or in some Bibles, a week later. Um, eight days later, he has eight days of mourning his hope. Of mourning when his friends were rejoicing because he lived in doubt, because he chose to embrace doubt. Doubt is nothing new. I imagine all of us have experienced it on some level with some things. Wondering whether the Lord is as he claims to be. And the thing is, Jesus is not overwhelmed by doubting Thomas's doubt. He is not overwhelmed by your doubt or my doubt. But we do reap the benefit, the consequence, I should say, of our doubt. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Jesus overcomes Thomas's doubt. Jesus comes through the locked door and hear what he says because he loves Thomas. He doesn't take offense. He is able to handle your doubts and mine. He's able to handle our weakness. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and place it, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus is God. He is risen from the dead. This is not a question of fact. This is a question of faith. And doubting Thomas gets it right. That's another reason I think he gets a bad rap. He is ready to be convinced. And if you are ready to be convinced of the risen Lord, you will be convinced. Because he is alive. And he is active. And here is the picture of what it means 
to believe, what it means to become a follower of Christ. Here is Thomas's response. He answers, my Lord and my God. That is it. Thomas believes that Jesus Christ is God himself, and he puts his life under Jesus as Lord. We might say, you are my master. I submit to you. He experiences Jesus' love. Maybe it's a week later, but he experiences it. He embraces it. It is that thing that gives him life and hope. But here's what Jesus says, and it's an interesting thing. Jesus says, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus can overcome our doubts. And yet there is blessing in belief. There is blessing in faith. And so if you are struggling with who, who Jesus is, there is blessing in that trust. He will reveal himself to you. You need to be open. You need to be ready. But John wrote this for more than the, those who would just believe. And you can see that in the very last verse in this chapter. He says... Jesus did many other things that I'm not going to write about, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John didn't just want us to believe that Jesus is the Christ. He wanted us to enter in. He wanted us to come with faith, to walk by faith and have life in his name. And that is a choice we make day by day. To step out and say, I will engage with the body of Christ. I will receive his love. I will trust and I will walk by faith. Loving the body together. And loving those outside the body. Walking in the life that is abiding with Jesus Christ. That's why John wrote that book. That's why we're here today. Because Jesus Christ came. That we could not just know that he is Lord. But that we could have life in his name. Praise that name.